It's also about the community and it's about developing good people. And when you're a dad and see a kid who just fought his guts out in a varsity playoff game and lost by you know, three points, or whatever that game was last year, and they still take the time to go and talk to the kids from the community, that's what makes a successful program and that's what makes successful people because you're eight years old and a senior football player, whether he's a center or a quarterback or a linebacker, takes 30 seconds. I mean, that's that's a hero to you. I mean, that would be like, to me, getting a walk down the street with Walter Payton. Or, I mean, if that's, they don't, high school, college, pro, they don't know the difference. These are, so the fact that you guys are doing that and that they've had that experience is awesome. And that's why I wanted to be involved in this youth program. So if I can make the same experience for my kids happen for other kids, and that's why we're doing this. And that's what it's all about. It's probably cliche at this point, Coach, but I think it's kind of made me the way I am play offensive line because, you know, I, I appreciate the value of working hard. I appreciate the value of maybe not getting the recognition because, as you know, as an offensive lineman, the only time you get recognition usually is if you mess up. So you work hard and nobody cares. You know you've done a good job. Yeah, I used to joke when I was in high school and just out of high school, you know, playing center, I could block that nose guard 49 out of 50 plays, but I miss him on the 50th play, and that nose guard gets the sack, causes the fumble, they win the game, he gets a date with Tom Queen, gets a scholarship to Michigan, goes to college for free, and he's on a cover for Illustrated because I missed it one time. You know, okay, maybe that's not true. That's kind of the way it feels like as an offensive lineman, but it's a mentality uh, that I really enjoy. Um, and I try to translate that into the program those kids too, because I know, you know a lot of those kids come out there and they don't, you know, especially third grade, their first year tackle, fourth grade, that's not where they're looking to play. But the beauty of football to me is that you give me a kid, I don't care how big he is, how small he is, how fast, slow, strong, not strong, there's a place for you on a football field. And I'll give you a helmet and I'll give you some shoulder pads. And I'll coach you up and I'll put you in a spot where you can have some success and be a part of the team. A lot of kids get to the point, you know, I see it in my job. Uh, we've got, you know, some of our, our younger trainees come in and they just haven't faced a lot of adversity in their life. Not sure how to handle it. Get on a football field, somebody's going to punch you in the mouth. Not literally, but someone's going to hit you. And you got to be able to take it and, and, and fight through it and figure out a way to make it better. And uh, that's what this game teaches you. Hey, this is Chuck Hopkins, president of the Dexter Youth Football League, and you are listening to the Iron Thread Podcast. Oh yes, folks, we're back. Episode number 48 of the Iron Thread Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris Whitaker. Thanks for tuning in this week. This week, we have a special guest, Mr. Chuck Hopkins, on the show. Chuck is the president of the DYFL, the Dexter Youth Football League here in Dexter, Michigan. And he comes on, he tells us about himself, talks about uh, his day job, which is the operations manager uh, for a company called Tracon, working out of Detroit International Airport, uh, working a lot with air traffic control and things of that nature. Uh, then you know, we really start to uh, dive in and talk a lot about football and the DYFL and kind of uh, what football means to Chuck, and uh, the kind of the goals that he has set forth for uh, for these uh, youth kids coming up, and as they uh, the DYFL helps to. 
groom kids to come up and, and play for our high school and become uh, high school dreadnoughts one day. So it was, uh, it was great to have Chuck on and talk a lot about this. We, we also dive in and talk a lot about strength training for the youth athlete. Um, Chuck asked some great questions about that and uh, got that going. So there's uh, a lot to listen to in this one. Hopefully you enjoy it, folks. Um, please, if you don't already subscribe to the show, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Google Podcast, Spotify, our host platform, Anchor, Stitcher, you name it, you can find the Iron Dread Podcast out there. Also, would like to thank our loyal listeners that tune in each week, including all of our international listeners. Iron Dread Podcast spanning the United States, Ireland, Russia, Germany, Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and India. Thank you so much for listening to the show each week. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please share the show on social media and uh, tag us at Iron Dread Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and on our Facebook page. I'd like to thank uh, all the people who have shared or posted um, stories on social media about their listening to the Iron Dread podcast. Really appreciate it. It helps us to boost our listening audience and get this show out there to everyone uh, that would enjoy it. Do these for fun each week and when other people are having fun listening to them, it really makes it all worthwhile. So folks, uh, without any further ado, I give you episode number 48 with Mr. Chuck Hopkins. All right, and we're back live to record from the Sanctorium of Strength. This is your Iron Dread podcast. I'm sitting here talking with our special guest today, Mr. Chuck Hopkins. Uh, Chuck is a operations manager for Tracon at the Detroit airport, and he'll tell us all about what that entails. But Chuck also is the president of the board and coach of the DYFL, the Dexter Youth Football League here in our town of Dexter, Michigan. Chuck, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Really enjoy the podcast uh, and everything you guys have been doing uh, to get uh, our programs going for the kids in our community. Very important, and uh, we're all glad that you're here. Thank you, sir, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your out of your workday uh, to come on. And um, you know, we'll start first. You know, learning a little bit more about you, Chuck, and and who you are and and what you do. So, kind of, what's your what's your story? You know, I know you. We were talking a little bit before we hit record. You've you've been kind of all over the country. You got a bunch of different experiences. So, kind of, what's your story? How did you get to where you are here, uh, the present day? Well, in terms of uh, ops manager, what 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 is that job? Uh, it's basically it's an air traffic control job. I'm an air traffic controller by trade. Uh, I started off as a radar controller uh, in the Detroit Tracon, which is an air facility at the Metro Airport. Uh, I was a controller starting back in 2007. Controller for five years, became, uh, you know, that's working the radar positions, moving the airplanes around, uh, keeping them separated, getting them ground safe, getting them out uh, on their way to go see mom and grandma for the holidays, whatever you got to do in there. Um, did that for, again, about five, six years, then became a frontline manager, uh, just kind of climbing that ladder, if you will. 
I uh, did that for about five years and actually spent a year and a half as the facility manager uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, at the little control tower there, working with smaller planes, a lot of uh, professional pilots and training. Um, and those jobs are important, too. You think about, you know, those little airports and people drive by and don't think much of them. But without those little airports training the pilots, there's no airports like Detroit Metro where the big guys are flying in and out of because they all start on the little airplanes that are buzzing around your backyard and kicking you off late at night and making your dog bark. Um, but uh, and then from there, I came back here to Metro again, just another step up the ladder uh, as an operations manager, still involved in the operation. Uh, unfortunately, don't get to talk to airplanes anymore, uh, but just get to, to be involved in the day-to-day -day movement of traffic. Uh, with election season, just winding down a lot of VIPs flying through and, and working with everybody to keep all that stuff safe has been kind of uh, how to end up here. It's, it's an interesting story with that. You know, I grew up in Southwest Michigan. Uh, played for uh, football for Coach Denny Dock over there at Stevensville Lakeshore, which is just down by St. Joe. Um, <clears throat> moved uh, over to grow up to Grand Rapids for my junior and senior year. Uh, had some parents change jobs. And, uh, with that comes some uh, adversity, which I helped at the time think was awful, but really helped develop a lot of character in me just dealing with that change in my surroundings to go from a you know, decent sized class B football program to a big class A East Kentwood is where I actually ended up, uh, which is a total culture shock for me from a little farm town to a giant high school with, you know, three gyms and a hockey arena on campus and all that stuff. Um, but long story short, got into aviation. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. I thought at the time, I ended up going down to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University down in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, got into the pilot program down there and then actually took air traffic as a minor. Uh, kind of a funny story down there that you could actually take air traffic as a minor. But uh, I thought I wanted to be a business minor so I could be like a corporate pilot. Um, and to me, this is just me, the business classes were so boring. I was like, oh, I can't stand this stuff. Thought it would be cool getting in the business side of things, but it was just so dry with the macro, microeconomic, just not my thing. My roommate at the time was like, hey, if you take air traffic as a minor, like I'm never going to do that. Why would I want to do that? And whole uh, motivation, almost embarrassed to admit it now, but it's like, hey, you take air traffic as a minor after the second year, it's all lab, so there's no homework. It's like, sign me up. <laughs> I'll do that. And uh, anyway, you end up when you graduate. You know, this was just past this post 9/11, so the air aviation industry was hurting quite a bit. They weren't hiring pilots. Uh, you graduate with that air traffic degree. Uh, uh, you take the FAA's entrance test because it is a federal job, and they put you on the list. Long story short, a couple years later, they offered uh, offered me a job up here. Um, again, I was from Michigan. My dad was sick at the time, so I wanted to get back to Michigan to be with him. Uh, so took the job here in Detroit. Uh, that's what got me uh, out to this area. Uh, in terms of how I ended up in Dexter, uh, when I first moved back to Michigan to take that job uh, out of college, I was living in Howell and driving back and forth between Howell and, and Ann Arbor and on the back roads and driving to B-19 to Dexter saying, hey, this is a nice little town. And uh, through the years, I thought this would be a good place to be and had some young, once we had the young kids, my wife and I thought this would be a good place to be. So uh, that's kind of how we ended up in Dexter. Um, youth football, um, how I ended up there. Uh, I love the game, uh, really enjoyed playing it. I had my youngest son. Uh, actually, the oldest son now, uh, when he was five years old, so oh, you can sign up and play flag football. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. You know, he'd been a kid who hasn't 
was interested in sports a little bit, but not too crazy. He played t-ball before and had liked it and did it. Actually, funny story with him is we signed him up when he was five for like a little kicker soccer program out in Taylor. Because uh, we'd go in the morning there and then I'd come to work here at the airport, even though we were living in Ipsy at the time. And uh, he had just really clicked on learning how to read. So we're all excited to take him to play soccer. And this is an indoor facility. And it's all like the indoor ice arena, ice rink kind of things. And it's all the, the boards have all the sponsorships on the board. So he'd take the ball and he'd go run over the board and say, Dad, look, subway, look, marathon. All he cared about at five years old was reading the signs about you know who's sponsoring the program. So, okay, maybe soccer's not his thing. Maybe he's not going to be a sport guy. Um, signed him up for flag football, and he came out for the first practice. And he'd go and do the drill, but he's, you know, he's my son, so he couldn't catch, and he wasn't real fast. Uh, he'd kind of get frustrated when kids that he knew were just blowing by him, and, like, I didn't really think it was his thing. Uh, got into the first game, and, uh, you know, they always take the young kid who isn't the most athletic. He's like, all right, kid, this is flag football, but you're the nose guard. So line them up on the nose. So basically, if you cover the other slow kid on the team, which is usually the center. And uh, it, the way it works here in Dexter is you can't rush the flag football. Uh, go. Um, so it was like the, the second or third play of the game. He confused the fake handoff and just ran in and like went to pull the flags off the quarterback. Trip fell and ended up tackling him. And the referee, which was one of the high school kids, I think it was one of the old uh, Dexter quarterbacks, the Joey Heiser, Heisey, oh, Heiser. Uh, Heiser, I think. Uh, he was the one of the, he threw the flag on him and Braxton and he saw the penalty and he called it on him. He was like, oh my God, this is going to destroy him. He's going to be so crushed. And he got up thinking he was born again hard because he was some kind of outlaw <laughs> that got a penalty called on him. So he gets up for the next play and instead of being, Nose guard, he's now Mike Singletary standing there and he's pointing to his buddy and say, Hey, you cover that guy, you cover that guy, I got this guy. And next thing you know, he goes home and pulls out my old Madden games and now he's in love with sports and football. I was like, Wow, you know, just like that, that switch goes on a kid and they take something that they're not really interested in them in, and that kind of becomes the groundwork for a lifelong passion, like it was for me. I and mean, I love football. I love all sports, but football was really my thing. And to see the switch go on in my kid, like, man, I want to get involved. At that point, I was an assistant coach for, uh, for Rock Jones, who's been around for a few years doing that. He's got some kids coming up that are real guys this year in a couple of years. Um, but from there, I became a head coach and worked with some buddies. And now, you know, I, I head coached the third and fourth grade team last year, was assisted on that year. We actually have a couple of different levels. We can get into that later. Uh, and also, so last fall, before all this went down, I was the head coach of the third and fourth tackle team. Uh, and also, I coached a uh, first and second grade flag team, which was my second time, was great at the time, uh, and did that, which was a lot of football. Uh, and the, God bless the wife for being patient enough. Sometimes she kind of gets frustrated, but uh, she sees the joy on the kids' faces when they're doing it. And, and I, I appreciate her support without it, none of this is possible. Uh, but anyway, so that's kind of how I got involved with that. and. As with any youth organization, uh, they're always looking for good people to get involved. And with uh, Coach Darby uh, as the outgoing president, I experienced coaching high school football from when I lived in Daytona. Hey, you know, we need people on the board. Uh, kind of transitioned to, to where I am now, which has led, led to this and, and being involved with this program. And, uh, you know, I would love to, to be involved more. But with three boys now and, and coaching the way I do with the youth sports, and I coach some baseball as well. Um, 
like go for more. Uh, I think the wife will set up a nice cot in the garage and say, uh, welcome home. So for now, I'm kind of where I want to be and I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying working with you guys on the high school level a little bit just to help when I can uh, and just be a part of what we got built. I think our our relationship started or met you uh, because one of our our former uh, linebackers coach uh, Steve Mapes brought your name up as a, a guy that was very you know active in the community and, and wanted to be a part and and Chuck you know in in addition to working with you know all the youth teams and stuff that he still does he Chuck our first our first season he he used the video for us at, at Friday nights yeah. and uh, get to. Uh, go through the headaches with uh, along with yours truly when huddle wouldn't work correctly. <laughs> yeah, I remember the huddle problems and I, one of those was purely my fault. And I, I, I'd switched cause we had the little iPads and one was good for one thing and one was good for the other. And you were very clear to me, this one's for this and this one's for that. And I think I switched them up somehow and coach Jacobs down the sideline was good game form and not real pleased. And he was getting all into your back signs like, Oh my God. I know it's hard to fire a volunteer, but I would figure as I was on my way. <laughs> so after the game, I think it was at halftime, I went down to Coach Jake and was like, hey, listen, whatever's going on with the video, it's all on my butt. We have nothing to do with it. So hopefully it saved you from much of a mud hole stomping on the backside there. But uh, yeah. It's all right. I, I take the heat. <laughs> Good story with that, too, is I, you know, part of getting my son involved he was football crazy by this point doing that video so your coaches and everyone were gracious enough to let me bring him along and and you know usually as a video guy you're up on top of the press box or you're out somewhere else we went to play uh, it's community that first year and that little press box is tiny and they didn't let anybody up on the roof so it's myself and my son uh who was i think probably eight at the time maybe still as seven or eight i think he was eight Jam in the press box with Coach Verbal and, and uh, Coach Parachek in there, and like, oh, you know, sorry, we'll we'll try to you know behave ourselves language wise. Like, hey, you know, I come from rural folk and they speak their minds, so uh, Braxton's heard it all before, so don't don't be afraid. And that was kind of his introduction to, all right, you know, you can be passionate, but as a kid, know what you can and can't repeat, otherwise, mom won't let us come back. <laughs> so yeah. Those are the good times, and he still talks about it. You know, he met some of the, you know, JV football players at the time that are now seniors, and and uh, he built some relationships there. And I've you know built the relations with you coaches, and uh, it, it's been incredible. And just to see how you know, some of the kids that have already graduated or are still playing in senior year, you know, win or lose, Dexter High School, uh, these kids take the time, and you know they they talk to my son after a game. You know, I remember last year after. Uh, playoff game they lost and you know, Colin our quarterback is in tears out there on the 50 yard line and I was like Braxton you may want to leave him alone you know it was a tough loss you know you, you know like you know you are because Braxton and Grayson both had tears in their eyes and you know, I'm a dad I'm trying to brief him for the fact that you know this is life and you know a couple of Dexter kids see my kids and they know them and they come up and they give you know my kids a hug like hey you know it's okay we'll get them next year and thanks for being here and you know win or lose it's it's winning and losing that's important and as a former high school coach in florida where it's cutthroat 
And I worked for a coach that was, you know, eight and two his first year, two and eight his second year, and out the door. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is winning the games and you get to that level. But it's also about the community and it's about developing good people. And when you're a dad and see a kid who just fought his guts out in a varsity playoff game and lost by, you know, three points or whatever that game was last year, and they still take the time to go and talk to the kids from the community. That's what makes a successful program, and that's what makes successful people. Because you're eight years old, and a senior football player, whether he's a center or a quarterback or a linebacker, takes thirty seconds. I mean, that's that's a hero to you. I mean, that would be like to me getting to walk down the street with Walter Payton when I was a kid. I mean, if that's they don't high school, college, pro, they don't know the difference. These are their heroes. So the fact that you guys are doing that and that they've had that experience is awesome. And that's why I wanted to be involved in this youth program. So if I can make the same experience for my kids happen for other kids, and that's why we're doing this. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like, and you know, you and I have talked about this before that, you know, the, the youth, right. And these young kids that are, are playing in the DYFL, they are the future for our program. So if you want to build, I believe strongly, I come from a program in New York that was built on tradition. And, you know, a few episodes ago, we had, you know, one of my, my best friends who's the head coach at our high school now, Quentin Johnson on. Uh, we also had our arch rival, Newburgh Free Academy, their head coach uh, on as well. And that was the same thing that we talked about, tradition. And what we're trying to do as a staff, and I know that I, I, I'm intentional with it, um, is taking those kids that are your son's ages and wherever we can, let them go in and talk with the high school kid. Let them come on the field before the game and play catch to warm yeah. up with our, our yeah. quarterback because that makes them want – we want these young guys to want to grow up to be a Dexter Dreadnought on Friday nights playing football. And I'm telling you, Chris, it, it's, it, it's, it rings so true because, you know, the, the, the parallels from this program here to the program when I was a kid uh, over at, at Lakeshore High School in Stevensville, when I was, you know, I was in fourth, fifth grade, it just, it's called rocket football over there, similar to Pop Warner, what that is. And our high school program wasn't successful uh, at the time. And they did win their games here and there. And to play youth football, I had to go over to our rivals community over in St. Joe. And those guys actually there. Um, I remember my dad picking up from my grandma's. My dad was an iron worker, hardworking guy, got off of work one day. And I, you know, my dad, those guys, those grizzled, tough Vietnam vet guys, they didn't get excited about anything. They had $100 in their pocket. Okay, cool. No big deal. But he came to pick me up and he was the biggest smile and he was almost jumping up and down. I was like, Dad, why are you so excited? And like, because Coach Doc is coming from Dwajak and he's coming to Stevensville and you watch, he's going to turn this thing around. And at the time, you know, I remember you'd go to our games and they'd win one or two games a year, not a big deal. Uh, and they actually had a streak of, of, I think, 25, almost 30 plus years of making the playoffs when Coach Doc retired a couple of years ago and he just came back and he's coaching them this year. They're playing the second round against Coldwater on Saturday. So, uh, you know, boys, my head down there. Um, but the parallels to that to here is what also struck me because I remember when I first was getting involved with the Dexter program and, you know, we'd be in the tent at Dexter days, our big, you know, festival we have every fall. And again, yeah, you know, I'm really getting involved with the youth football program here and my kids love going to the football games. And this is, you know, again, this is, 
you know, six, seven years ago now and, and, and other uh, new people from the community I'm meeting because we just moved here and it's like, oh, you know, Dexter's never going to be, you know, a football town and, you know, it's just, it's the way it is and the way it's always been. And it's like, man, you're wrong. You know, if we can do this the right way, like I saw where I grew up, it can be a football town because it's towns like this that embrace it. I mean, the towns that have one school that the community can get behind, that's the way it is. And when I coached in Daytona, there were four or five high schools. They were great support. You go inland to play, you know, Umatilla or, you know, all those towns with crazy Indian sounded names that you couldn't pronounce, Apopka or Warren Staff. You know, that's a 5,000 seat stadium in a 7,000 person town that's bringing in 10,000 people on a Friday night. That's the way those small towns can be. And at Dexter, where we are now, seven years ago, it'd be myself, my sons, and the parents stand. And last year in the playoffs, I was bugging our superintendent to put the band on bleachers on the track because there wasn't enough stands. To where two years ago, a South Lion, we had to sit on the visitor on the home side because the extra side was full. So, I mean, it's, it's gone from no one being there to if you don't get there early, you're going to stand. So... I'm getting fired up here just talking about it, but I, I've seen the transition and I, I like the way it's going and I'm glad to be a part of it, like I've said. Yeah, we, we appreciate you and we appreciate every everybody, like I said, that, that is involved and supports this program um, because, you know, it, it it's like, you know, raising, they say raising a kid takes a village or a football, yeah. a football program and having a successful one takes a village as well. Yep. So let's um, let's talk about you know kind of your your playing days. So when you were you were playing football, I, I believe you you like me we spent some time along that offensive line. Like that, that's nowhere else I'd rather be, man. I remember going out the first day of uh, talking about the Pop Warner, the Rocket Football in St. Joe, and you know you're that age and every kid wants to be the quarterback or the running back because that's you know i grew up as a still am a huge bears fan sadly uh to the point where my seven-year-old's like oh, oh the bears are on dad's gonna rage i'm gonna go in the other room uh so i need to kind of throttle that back a little bit i don't want to be that dad but uh after practice my dad i got so much position they have you playing i kind of slumped my shoulders down like oh i guess they're gonna make me the center and i was kind of like okay i get to be a center and again my dad never showed emotion. He was so proud. I was like, are you serious? You're going to be the center? I'm like, is that cool? He's like, yeah, that's awesome. Because the whole play starts with you. And, you know, you get the ball on every play. Like, well, I guess that's kind of cool. And then so we went down because my dad was a member of the American Legion. So it was after work. We went down there and hung out with some of his friends. And he's like, this is my son. And he's playing center. And all those guys that, that my dad knew that went to, you know, his, his vet buddies. Like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And, um. Uh, it's, it's probably cliche at this point, coach, but I think it's kind of made me the way I am to play offensive line because, you know, I, I, I appreciate the value of working hard. I appreciate the value of maybe not getting the recognition because, as you know, as an offensive lineman, the only time you get recognition usually is if you mess up. So you work hard and nobody cares. You know you've done a good job. You know, I used to joke when I was in you know, high school and just out of high school, you know, playing center I can block that nose guard 49 out of 50 plays but I miss him on the 50th play and that nose guard gets the sack cause of the fumble they win the game he gets a date with the prom queen gets a scholarship to Michigan goes to college for free and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated because I missed it one time you know okay maybe that's not true that's kind of the way it feels like as an offensive lineman but it's a mentality uh that I really enjoy 
Um, and I try to translate that into the youth program for those kids too, because I know, you know, a lot of those kids come out there and they don't, you know, especially third grade, their first year tackle, fourth grade, that's not where they're looking to play. But the beauty of football to me is that you give me a kid, I don't care how big he is, how small he is, how fast, slow, strong, not strong. There's a place for you on a football field and I'll give you a helmet and I'll give you some shoulder pads. And I'll coach you up and I'll put you in a spot where you can have success and be a part of a team, uh, which teaches again, getting back to the life skills thing, uh, doing that. So I think development going forward and the biggest thing I'd like to accomplish, uh, and if I could leave my mark in this town as a football volunteer coach kind of guy is to try to start developing that offensive line mentality sooner uh, to where number one, make them proud to do it. Uh, and number two, make them know that it's okay to be tough and it's okay to be strong and want to do that because, you know, we play some of our games with some of our rivals. That's their mentality. They, they're there. And I, I don't know if I should bring this up or not because they know it's the rival, but coach Brad Bush over at Chelsea was actually when he, uh, before he retired uh, from Chelsea a couple years back, he was actually my offensive line coach at East Kentwood when I played over there for two years. I had had that relationship. And his mentality as an offensive line coach was, hey, you know, we're not here to shake hands. We're here for, you know, a street fight, you know, which is not, you know, really what we're talking about, but it's a mentality. You know, it's, and that's to get that going, to get that ingrained in our culture, that would be awesome. Because um, I was a big kid too. I was a big, tall kid. In your whole life, you're taught up to that point, just relax. You're a big kid. Be careful. You don't want to hurt anybody. You can play on the playground, but just be careful. We're all friends. We don't want to, we don't want to be too rough to get that. Even now, I think it's, it's even more difficult to, to get a kid to find that switch. And, and, and some kids do it sooner than others to where, oh, okay, now it's good to be the big kid. Now I can take out that frustration and now I can move that kid. And this is good in football where, you know, a lot of times it's hard to get that out of them. And my mom, the best, my mom always said the best thing that ever happened to me was getting involved with the wrestling program because that, you know, that program, when you're laying on your back and it's just you and that guy, that, that's when instinct takes over. And, you know, you don't want to be the guy getting pinned. Off the line. You don't want to get pushed around, do the push. So, yeah, I, I was the offensive lineman, played there, played center. Uh, all through high school, um, loved every minute of it. You know, still the same guy that says I'd give anything for one more one more shot. But uh, all of us old enough to know that I have no business thinking about it. <laughs> uh, one of the high schools I worked at down in Florida, they still do, and this is awful, but they do uh, an old timers like they call it a reunion game where all the alumni come back and suit up and play, and they're like, "Oh, coach, you want to play with us this year?" It's like, "No, man, I, my knees are worn out enough," and you. You know, usually for a high school game in Florida, there's one ambulance. For the alumni game, there's two or three because, you know, <laughs> there's going to be shattered hips and shattered dreams out there before too long. Yeah, there'll be some people getting carted out. But I, I, I like what you brought up about instilling that idea of toughness, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as we record this, uh, we are, we're still in the playoffs uh, and we're playing football right now. And you, you have to you have to be tough. And that's what we're preaching to our guys and we're trying to get that like it has to come you're going to be a model citizen out in the community you'd be nice to everybody you're out in the community yes sir no yeah. no sir yes ma'am no ma'am shaking hands being nice being a respectful member of society but when that helmet my high school coach used to grab a grab when you put your fingers in that ear hole and you pull those ear pads apart he would 
hold the helmet over his head. And once that helmet goes on, you go from being that nice guy, great member of community to a ruthless, within the rules, ruthless human being that wants to physically, physically dominate someone else and not care about how they feel about it taking them, push them all over, knock them on the ground, smile about it, laugh at them a little bit about it, get up and do it again. Um, and that's something we're trying to, we're trying to instill that up, up here. And, you know, some- and I think we're getting there. I mean, it's, it's come so far from where it was, you know, even before you guys got here, it was starting to, it was building. We didn't see the results, but if you sat and watched, you could see it. Um, yeah, it's not, and it's football to life, and that's the beautiful thing about this game is, you know, what is it, five, 5% of high school players play in college, and other 95% that are learning the life skills, uh, you know, what it takes to be a man, what it takes to be a woman, because we've got girls playing, and, and we love that, especially in our youth program, what it means to be a strong person and know the difference between right or wrong and, and how to conduct yourself in society and how to face adversity. Uh, a lot of kids get to the point, you know, I see it in my job. Uh, we've got, you know, some of our, our younger trainees come in and they just haven't faced a lot of adversity in their life and, and, and not sure how to handle it. Mm-hmm. You get on a football field, somebody's going to punch you in the mouth, not literally, but someone's going to hit you and you got to be able to take it and, and, and fight through it and figure out a way to make it better. And uh, that's what this game teaches. It, it forces you, uh, the, the, the term resiliency, it forces you to strain and work. And even when things seem rough and like they're not going to go your way, you have to keep digging and keep working. And that is a life skill. Like there's going to come a time in everybody's life where we face something that's hard and that's going to be difficult to work through. Right? There's going to be uncomfortable situations that we have to work through. And you're right. The game, the game does help teach those things. It's, it's much more than just going out and X's and O's and winning or losing. Like, there's a lot of life lessons that we learn. And we talked about this before we started. When I moved I, uh, all the way to my sophomore year, I played at, at Stevensville at Lakeshore there. And you know, I was center from rocket football all the way through my sophomore year and you know you went out to practice the first day and you just knew okay i'm the starting center not a big deal uh and that probably i don't know if it stayed that way but you know you it's the way it was and then you get when we moved to grand rapids my junior year and it's rough time for a kid to move but all of a sudden you went from being the starter who played a little defense too to no one knows you you've got no friends you go for summer camp so you're there before school even starts i didn't know anybody uh, and now I'm, you know, on a team now with 80 kids and I'm the third string center and I could have packed it in and walked away and said the hell of this or gutted it out. And, uh, uh, and that's the life skill you learn there that you can't get from a lot of other places. Oh, no. So. And, and the idea, too, in that, and that took me a while in, in college, getting there and realizing that, you know, sometimes in some situations, some things might be out of your control. Who's who's in front of you might be out of your control. Um, yeah. And you work and then you realize and this is something that we're preaching with our guys because like our, our sophomore kids come up and, and practice with us now that the JV season's over. They come up and practice, help prepare the varsity. 
and we've had this deliberate conversation with kids. You know, we're I'm running the scout team offense, giving a look for our defense, and telling these guys, like, look, this is how you help win on Friday night. This is your role. This is your part of being on this team. If you don't step on the field Friday night and we win, that's your contribution to that was right here today. Each and every play where you made that guy that's going to play on Friday night work. And that was, that was a hard thing for me to to learn because I was, you know, I was like you, right? I I played, I didn't move in high school. So my junior and senior year was the same way, but I was a guy that, Came up to varsity as a sophomore. Uh, you know, we had a need for linemen. Came up and, you know, third game of the season, I'm starting. The, you know, the first time I went to a, a homecoming game, I started. I, you know, so wow. it was yeah. it was one of those things where, you know, I was always a, started always a player, and I had to learn how to be a, a constructive and positive team member. What, you know, whether or not what was happening for me was, was what I wanted or, or not. And, and, you know, and there's a lot of that. And that happens in life, right? Like sometimes you're going to have to grind away and work that lower level job where you don't really want to be in order to get to the spot where you want to be. Yep. Right? That's and these are, these are things that we learn uh, through football. So, all right. Well, we're going to talk more about kind of the, the structure of the DYFL and some different things. And one of the big things we want to bring up is talking about strength training. Um, but before we get there, let's let's do our speed set questions, which is a big, big uh, segment of the show. Right, and I, I always I always put these out here because they're fun. Um, try to make them go fast. We call them speed set questions, but they almost always turn off into sidebar conversations, and that's completely fine. All right? Right. Uh, it's a free it's a free show. The listeners get what they pay for here on the Iron Dread Podcast. So, so Chuck, uh, normally I have to explain this one because uh, a lot of the guests I've had on recently have been from outside of Michigan. You, however, uh, are a Michigan native. So, are you a go blue guy or a go green guy? So I'm going to get flack, but I'm a bear down guy. Um, and you're going to say, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, I'm a big Chicago Bears guy. Growing up on the southwest corner of the state, we're an hour and a half. It's actually 60 miles across the lake from Chicago. Uh, there's many Notre Dame fans as there are Michigan State camp fans and Michigan, University of Michigan fans there. Uh, and again, being raised you know, by my dad, my dad was huge Chicago Bears and we watched college football on Saturdays because it's fun, but I never really got into to rooting so hard for one or the other. And I know this is kind of a milk way to not say anything either <laughs> way, but I really, I, it, it doesn't affect me. Now, if Bears lose like they lost last Sunday in overtime to the Saints, unfortunately, I'm mad and I'm upset with myself for feeling that way. And it takes me, you know, about 10 minutes to come back down. And I realize that's an awful way to be. Uh, but, you know, I watched the game last Saturday between Michigan and Michigan State and think, wow. Michigan State really came to play. Uh, they they put it, you know, they put it on them. I thought, like everybody else, there's no way that Michigan, had, you know, have any trouble with Michigan State. But why you play the game, you know, it was a good lesson to learn that I don't care what your record is, what the pregame thoughts are. Line it up, you strap it on, you go give them hell. Uh, I can say that my stepdad, who uh, was a big part of my life, love him greatly. Uh, Michigan State grad, so uh, if if you're gonna put me in a corner because out of respect for my stepdad who helped me through college, helped raise me, you know I probably would lean that way a little bit. Um, 
but my my sons all refer to Michigan as I can't believe we lost on Saturday. <laughs> and so I like, hey, easy with the we there, cowboy. This is, you know, you're not a part of that squad yet if you want to be getting the weight room. But uh, yeah, so sadly, I, I can't answer that directly. I can just say bear down and uh, let's go uh, beat the Titans on Sunday. Do the, do the Bears have the New York Jets, you know, on the schedule? Sadly, no, no Jets this year. They've got, uh, yeah, they got the, the Titans and uh, a bunch of good teams stuck on the schedule. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it rolls out. Yeah, so they had a battle. My my New York Jets are 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 struggling. Uh, I tell people the old Kermit the Frog line: "It ain't easy being green." No. Yeah. You know. So your favorite movie? Uh, Goodfellas. I, I don't know why, but I just Martin Scorsese. Uh, love that stuff. Uh, growing up where I did, uh, there's a little bit of history with, with that type of stuff in St. Joe, because that's a lot of times where the, the gangsters and stuff from, uh, Chicago had a lot of vacation homes over that way. So, you, you know, see a guy driving down the street in a huge Mercedes and you'd say, you ask my dad, like, who's driving that car and give you the, don't worry about it response. He knew that you didn't need to worry about it. <laughs> and then, so you see movies like that and it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of that tiny extent but it just you know I, I like the genre and even up to like the irish one that they made uh on netflix about the hawk stuff that's uh, kind of a cool thing obviously nothing i know anything about but it's fun to watch yeah, the, old, the old gangsters your favorite tv show uh just talking about this uh, this morning at work but uh yellowstone i don't know if you watched that at all with kevin costner about the, uh, the ranch out in uh, in montana uh you know, I always used to joke all I ever wanted to be was a farmer growing up, but now I think now that I'm 44, I finally figured out I want to be a rancher. Uh, so pretty sure uh, when I bring that up with my wife in our, you know, one acre lot, can't have any livestock and don't think that there's any cattle in the future, but uh, still a fun show to watch. Yeah, I have. Uh, you see me stripping around on Friday wearing, uh, wearing my cowboy boots. You probably can guess that I'd probably watch an episode the night before. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh that I I enjoy that show. My wife and I picked that up uh this past season, season two. Um, we're still yeah. trying uh trying to get and uh, go back and watch season one, but yeah, we okay. picked it up. It, it was very enjoyable, and there's actually a a movie, and I can't remember the name of it right now, um, with Kevin Costner in it, and we we talked about going to see it this weekend, um, where yeah. he's kind of a a rancher type situation, um. I forget the name of it too, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. We want we want to go check that out, but you know, because I haven't been to the movies in months. Right. So, yeah, in in all your spare time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, next one, your number one hobby. Uh, I like to golf. I'm not very good, uh, but uh, this is going to again sound cliche, and people listening who know me are going to roll their eyes. But I love coaching youth sports, man. After you know coaching in Florida, I loved it. And I moved back up up to Michigan in 2007, so I coached in 2006 down there. Actually, I'm sorry, I moved to Michigan in 2004, so I coached in 2003. I probably went about you know 10 years without coaching at all. Um, and then you know I remember the first third fourth grade game I was assistant coach on a couple of years ago under uh, with with Tom Arbaugh as the head coach and. You know, just lining up for the national anthem, you kind of started getting, you know, I looked down and I had the goosebumps again. I was like, man, this is a third, fourth grade football game. I'm a total nerd. Uh, but this that's where I belong. Where I feel where I feel at home uh, is, is on that sideline. Just 
getting involved in the emotion of the game. And there's no place like it. You know, I, I like playing poker, I like playing cards, and you get a little of that competition, a little of that rush there. But uh, home is on that sideline. So I've never, I've never gone a, gone a season without it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, this next one is a heavily debated topic around Dexter High School. I have arguments with our student athletes about this chicken wings. How are you ordering them? What are you dipping them in? Dipping is the easy part. That's blue cheese. And it's got to be the chunky blue cheese. None of this, you know, filtered out stuff. I want a good hunk of mold on that wing where I throw it down the hatch. Um, But I I like, I don't like the breaded. I like them to where they're fried, but it's still crispy on the outside. So you can dip it in there, but not like the thick batter. you know, like the Hooters wings or whatever that, I mean, whatever, whatever your thing is, that's not my thing. I'm a, you know, uh, spicy sauce, a garlic, uh, anything, not crazy. I remember when I was down at, uh, the radar training for, uh, the FAA, once they hire you, you get to go to Oklahoma for a couple months. FAA Academy. And we go down to Norman, Oklahoma, where, uh, they had a BWC there and your stuff, the wild wings are called now. And, our goal was every we go there for lunch every Wednesday and every week we'd get a hotter sauce and got up to the, the mango habanero mm-hmm. and had that for lunch. And uh, by eight o'clock that night, we were doing night classes and we were doing simulation labs where we were working in a simulated power. And you couldn't take, if you missed a day, you had to start all over. So I wasn't doing that. But so the video screens, it looks like you're in a control tower. I was, all I had to do, I was doing everything I could to keep it together, head down on the desk my hand on my head because I'm sweating. I really had to run to the bathroom, but I know I couldn't leave. I hear somebody call. I pick my head up. I'd answer the airplane, put my head back down and just focus on getting through that next 25 minutes. So I like spicy, but you go anything beyond that and it's going to have some adverse side effects that I don't want to deal with that night or the next morning or maybe even the day after. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. I've had those mango habanero. They're, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty kicking. I like, it. I was like, Oh, they're sweet. Well, yeah, but yeah. Not sweet enough. Nope. So spicy garlic, uh, even the Caribbean jerk they have there. Uh, there was a, a booster we had in Florida, owned a little party store. They had the best wings I've ever had. Still searching for something like that up here. And they were, yeah, his spicy garlic were amazing. So a uh, good crispy fried wing with the sauce on there. Full fun like that. Punk of blue cheese. America. Absolutely. Right there. Absolutely. I always, I always recommend to people in our area, my listeners outside our area won't know what we're talking about, but I always recommend uh, the Arctic Breakaway restaurant in the Chelsea um, Ice Arena. There's yeah. that restaurant in the center between the two sheets of ice. And again, I'm a, I'm a wing connoisseur, right? Yeah. In the great state of New York, we hold our pizza and our wings in very high regard. Um, but that, that place, they have good wings. Um, they remind me of the wings I would get at home. And um, when you go in there, when a Detroit team is playing or a Michigan team is playing, they're yeah. 50 cent wings. Oh, cool. So it's out. a pretty good deal. You know, if the, if the yeah. Red Wings, the Tigers, Michigan, Michigan State, you know, it doesn't matter the sport, football, basketball, baseball, if they're playing, they got a wing special, 50 cent wings, and uh, it's uh, really good. We're going to take a brief pause for a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Iron Dread Podcast. This is Quincy Golf, Iron Dread alumni. 
You're listening to the Iron Judge Podcast. Cool. All right. Um, well, some of these things we already kind of touched on. Um, are you uh, are you currently doing any sort of training? I know you uh, recently, within the last few years, dropped a bunch of weight. Um, yep. From uh, yeah, I uh, I, had, I I don't hide it from anybody. Uh, I've been up and down my whole life. You know, speaking of chicken wings and high school, you get to the point where you're not playing high school football anymore, and then uh, beer and chicken wings is a bigger part of your life when you get to college. Huh? <laughs> uh, you don't have that metabolism anymore, so. Uh, that led to an increased amount of Chuck that was uh, hanging around, <laughs> um, and not in a good way. Uh, so again, it'd been up and down my whole life. Um, and about two and a half years ago, I was talking to my doctor about things. And, and the thing that was really my catalyst was I had a two-year-old or I had a baby, uh, our, our third boy. And, you know, I was looking at myself, all right, I'm 42 years old. I'd like to be around for this kid. Um, I need to get my stuff together. Um, so we, I went and talked to my doctor about it. And he's like, well, if you're serious about it, uh, we can look into some uh, options. And we ended up settling on what's called the gastric sleeve, bariatric uh, surgery. Um, uh, pros and cons, yes, I know. Uh, but I've, I've, I've been up and down naturally my whole life. And uh, it, it was simple. It's an outpatient, 45 minutes. You stay the night. They just There's no re-plumbing of your innards. Uh, uh, they give you a little card to show people. But it's basically they take about 80% of your stomach out. And so you, they call it a sleeve because it's about the size of a small banana in there. Um, but they say, hey, this is just a tool. This is not the answer. You've got to be serious about it. Um, otherwise, it's just a waste of your time uh, and your money. Uh, so because of that, I actually got to be a part of a research study through the University of Michigan uh, where I was given a personal trainer. Um, so I've been doing that. Uh, so I'm uh, a lot of cardio, uh, cardio at least three times a week. Um, and I was doing a lot of weight training when pre-COVID uh, at, at the Y as well. Uh, but since that stopped, uh, Santa Claus in all his glory brought the boys a weight set last Christmas. So we've got that going in the basement with a heavy bag. Uh, so doing a lot of cardio on the treadmill. I do like that. Uh, I like, I, for the first time in my life, I enjoy going outside and just running. Uh, again, no land speed records are in threat, but uh, I do enjoy doing that. Uh, but I think the catalyst for losing weight, maintaining uh, that is just is, is some light resistance training. So uh, just your simple lifts, you know, your deadlifts, your squats, uh, bench press, incline, uh, leg extensions, just the simple stuff. Again, 44 years old, uh, stuff cracks that never used to crack, so I don't want to go crazy. Uh, but to maintain, you know, where I've been where I am now weight-wise for about two years, uh, I'm happy about it. Some days are easier than others, but uh, without... The people that don't have success in this program are the ones that don't embrace the training aspect of it, which is, again, why I think what you guys are doing is awesome because it sets you up for a life skill and a life habit uh, all the better. So, yeah, light training, love the heavy bag. Uh, that's a good day. You get a long day of work. Things don't go your way. Thunderstorms roll through. makes controlling airplanes tough. You go home, hit the heavy bag for a little bit, and everything seems to work out after that. A little stress relief. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I, I do it under the under the barbell, right? All right. So I, a couple of the other ones here, we'll kind of move. We'll move through some of them. I I, I already know. Uh, we we talked about wings, um, but what it, what would you say is your all time favorite food? Yeah, this is where you, as a New York guy, and me as a Chicago guy, are going to kind of butt heads. <laughs> uh, uh, 
The pizza is phenomenal out there. And it's a nice little appetizer. Nice and flat and fold it in half. Greasy. Yeah, I fold it in half. And you can use it as a wallet if you have to. <laughs> uh, but uh, deep dish is the way to go. Uh, I love a good Chicago deep dish. Um, and there's some decent ones around here, but I got tired of just looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the, the world we're in right now with, you know, not a lot of options and an extra time I, I, once in a while. Found some deep dish recipes on the, on the internet and started making my own deep dish at home. Or even you know the wife or friends, we made it for the Michigan Michigan uh, Michigan Maryland or not Maryland the Michigan uh, Minnesota game. Made one and uh, it was awesome. So uh, I'm not a guy who likes to talk about me that much, but man, hitting out of the park on these deep dish. So if I'm looking for you know uh, an appetizer uh, on the go, a New York style slice is great. But if you're looking for a meal. That's where you got to go on the deep dish. Sorry, coach. Love hey, you. Hey, listen, I, I'm I'm a food connoisseur. Okay, I I I watch shows on the Travel Channel. You know, man, remember that show, Man versus Food? Oh, oh that was that yeah. was my jam. All right. So anytime <laughs> I'm in a new city that I've never been to, yeah. I go. I try to find a place that was on Man versus Food. Okay, because yeah, I love it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went to Chicago. Right. Yeah. Last probably January, it was my my buddy was getting married. Right. A group of us guys were going to celebrate. You know, kind of his bachelor party type thing. We went to went to Chicago. You know, rented a Airbnb, went around. You know, and checked out a bunch of things in Chicago. And we went and had dinner at Gino's East. Yeah. Yeah. I've had my boys yeah. there and got that uh, got that deep dish, two different kinds. Uh, it was. It was so good. Uh, and we, we had the boys there. We weren't sure if they were going to be down with that. So we got them like the chicken tenders and fries thing just in case. And we ended up putting it in the box and taking it back to the room. They didn't want it for a minute. They saw that pizza come out. and uh, Yeah. So they were up to the elbows and that stuff. Oh, yeah. so. it, it was most definitely worth the wait, you know, because it takes a you know, long time to cook. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the wife doesn't quite understand why the sauce has to be on top. Get that, but uh, you know, I work with a lot of new guys from New York here at the at the airport, and they just think it's a casserole, which you know I see that, but uh, whatever, it's young. It, it's it feels good going down the hatch. Yeah. It's a different experience, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, and I think this is an old lineman thing too. But we love our we love yeah. our food, so it's a it's a yeah. different culinary experience when you eat deep dish versus yep. when you eat New York style. And then I love both, and I can I can get down with both. Um, but it it was good, and I will go back to Chicago for no other reason than to get more deep dish pizza. And there was a sweet video game arcade that was also a a, a restaurant and and bar that we went to. Great time. Had to get the name of that place. Take the. I got a. I got a. I don't remember the name of it because it was just. We found it on the on the on the phone, but it was uh, it was cool. The food was really good there. The games you didn't have to pay for, and I, I played NFL Blitz '99 with one of my buddies. I, I was living living the dream, belly full of deep dish pizza, playing NFL Blitz, reliving the glory days. Oh. All right. So the next thing I got for you, and then we'll kind of wrap up speed sets, and we're gonna start talking about the DYFL and strength training. Um, what is you have? Do you have a favorite music genre? I'm a country guy. You know, I, that's that's my genre. You're gonna call it that. And you know, 
again, being 44 years old, I like, you know, some of the new stuff, but man, uh, give me my, my beagle on my front porch and sit there, have a cheap domestic beer and listen to George Strait. I'm a happy man. Uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, 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 is me. Um, not necessarily what's going to motivate you in the weight room though. <laughs> like that, you know, I, I, I like you know, a lot of the, the eighties bands, you know, high school, a lot of the hair band stuff, which is, you know, lame. I know at this point, and you guys are going to probably give me shit for that. Oh. Probably, probably time for that. Edit that yeah, I can, I can edit. It. Don't, no worries about it. Um, but yeah, so I'm in there now. Even uh, you know, I like Def Leppard a lot, but that's not going to get you where you need to be. So you know, like Five Finger Death Punch, some of the stuff that they've done recently, you know, with uh, you know, Blue on Black, the way they remade that, and some of the, like the 38 special stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even yeah, I'll be honest. You know, I I'm not really trying to any favor with you but you know a lot of stuff you hear going to a, a high school game what are you guys using pre-game stuff aside from every attitude era wrestling theme you seem to play ah! <laughs> but uh yeah other than that yeah and then that stuff is good too but yeah any, any kind of rock, any kind of rock metallica stuff like that just i don't know and, and again that's probably cliche too but just get the blood flowing and uh, get you going so yeah i'm a pretty simple dude you you can't go wrong with with rock music and listen i'm gonna tell you right no and, and nobody on this side of the computer screen gonna give you uh any grief about uh 80s rock because listen in in the weight room and i don't know if i've ever shared this with you we actually have theme days when we're when we're yeah. training right so mondays are always mosh pit mondays Right, so it's hard rock. It's five finger death punch. It's Godsmack. It's Disturbed. Yeah. It's all those types of bands. Um, yeah. Shine Down is another big one that I like. Uh, Tuesdays are always a throwback. So we do some sort of, um, you know, usually it's a lot of '80s music. Lately, I've been playing on Tuesdays. Um, you know, '90s yeah. pop, maybe '70s stuff. Stuff that the kids don't really know. They, you know, they want to give me, you know, grief about, you know, oh, you know, playing bad music. I don't care. <laughs> Train, right? You you come back another day, you're going to hear something you like. And that's one of the big things with the themes is I could tell them, like, hey, don't complain because there's going to be a day when you hear what you like. Uh, when-, hey, what, man? when I was coaching in Florida, we would do that, too. And the day that the kids just went nuts, I was in Daytona Beach. It was Fort Orange, uh, Spruce Creek High School down there, just off of Daytona Beach. And there was uh, Bethune-Cookman University, which is a historically black college down there. Great atmosphere. Love going to those games. But man, is the marching band a culture down there? And so we would have days where they'd play the marching band from Bethune Cookman uh, and like all the hype songs that they play. Mm-hmm. Those kids would go nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, you know, add, adding five, 10 pounds, extra plates here. Let's go over a marching band, which, okay, let's go. Yeah. If that just gets you there, let's go there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, whatever, whatever it takes uh, to get people yeah. fired up. Um, with us, we we go Wednesdays to the Wu Tang Clan, right? And similar artists. Nice. So that's our old school hip hop day. Thursdays are are today's hits, and then Fridays are free for all. So they get a little bit of everything. So listen, I, I love '80s rock. I love everything. So ain't nobody gonna give you a yeah. hard time. However, one of the most important duties you have as a, uh, a guest on this show is you have to pick a song to put on our Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist on Spotify. Remember, listeners, you can find that uh, Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist on Spotify. Just search out Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week and you'll find it. Or go into the show notes 
of the show, and you can find a link there. So each guest that comes on the show picks one song to put on the list. And okay. everybody, I play a little snippet of it at the end of the show, uh, and people listen to it, hear it. They can go on the playlist and listen to it. So Chuck Hopkins, as a guest of the show, it is your duty to pick a song to put on the playlist. What are you going with? You know, my initial thought was my uh, oldest son plays travel baseball, and they were sending out things for songs. What do you want your walk-up walk song to be? And his recommendation, which I thought would be cool for this, but not totally, was he said uh, uh, shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. But what I would go with is when uh, Five Finger Death Punch redid uh, Blue on Black. That, I think, that's a great workout song. Kind of starts a little methodical and then gets rolling. So if I'm adding a song to the playlist, that's it. Now, I got some bad news. A few there? weeks ago, Travis Atkinson, one of, uh, one of my buddies that I worked with in North Carolina, he picked Five Finger Death Punch and Blue on Black. All right. Well, then how about Bad Company? Do you have that on Bad there? Company. Oh, I will put that on. Bad Company, Five Finger Death Punch. Hey, did you, uh, did you have tickets to the show that was supposed to be at Little Caesars Arena? I did not. No. Well, Jacobs and I did, and now we're trying to get our money back because they canceled. Um, Five Finger Death Punch, Bad Company, uh, great uh, cover song. If you've never listened to Five Finger Death Punch, folks, and, and you're a fan of, of you know, the you know, Bad Company, um, you know, the Blue on Black song, you know, things like that, uh, their, their take on those classic rock songs are great. Um, and then yep. their original, the original stuff that they do, they've been around for a while now. I, I love them. They're a hard band. Um, they get after it, but I, 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 they're one of probably one of my one of my favorites. So, Bad Company uh, from Five Finger Death Punch, their version of it. Chuck Hopkins pick for our Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week uh, this week. You need a song to get fired up to go mow the yard. There you yeah. go. When you're a middle aged guy like me, it does the job. There it is. Uh, it'll be on the playlist and. Uh, you know, you go on Spotify, you could get, stay fired up by listening to the Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist. All right, so moving on to business. So the DYFL, the Dexter Youth Football League, uh, you kind of touched a little bit on it. Uh, what age groups are, uh, are does the DYFL service, and what different options do kids have uh, when they want to play football in the DYFL? Well, uh, DYFL, it, it covers first grade through uh, sixth grade. Uh, for us, we offer flag football uh, for boys and girls. Again, I touched on that earlier, but we're all-inclusive, boy, girl, whatever you are, uh, you're welcome with us. We've got a spot for you. Uh, but flag football, uh, we break it down in divisions, so we've got first and second. We go by grades, just like you'll progress through school so you're playing with the same kids you're going to play with in school it's not age group so um you get a little diversity there in age but first second grade kids play together in flag um and then third fourth kids play together in flag and fifth sixth kids play together in flag uh and those are the three divisions we have for that uh, we also offer a tackle football program uh right now as it stands up and we're kind of in flux and we can touch on that but Traditionally, we've started tackle football here in Dexter uh, in third and fourth grade. So third and fourth kid, grade kids play together and our fifth and sixth grade kids play together. Uh, obviously, after that, they go up to you guys at Mill Creek and start playing on that team. 
Uh, and then the third option that we offer through DYFL uh, is a tremendous cheerleading program that we have for uh, the kids in our community that want to be involved in that as well. And if you ask uh, probably 80% of our third and fourth or fifth and sixth grade tackle football players what their favorite part about playing youth football is, and they'll say it's when they announce the name of the game and they run through the tunnel of cheerleaders. Uh, so, I mean, it's, again, all community involved. Uh, we've got great cheerleading coaches. Ashley Rivera right now is our person who is heading that up, and she does great. Um, so we offer those programs as well. So first grade through sixth grade, we've got something for everybody. Um, we've had traditionally we've had two fifth and sixth grade tackle teams, one third and fourth grade, or uh, one third and fourth grade tackle team. Um, upwards of 150 kids total in our flag program. Um, we have to set a cap on our cheerleading program because we had so many people that sign up uniforms on time and all the logistics of that. Uh, so great involvement. And this was a program that was started from scratch uh, by people, you know, way before me, uh, like we talked about coach Darby who coaches with the, uh, uh, the, the Mill Creek school uh, teams and, uh, and James Drummond, who his son is playing cornerback for you guys or in the secondary, at least for you guys, he's got, he's been involved still on our board. Uh, Ryan Barzak, uh, Andy Ullman, a lot of good people, Dexter uh, Royalty. We have we a term we call on the board if you call you Dexter Royalty, it's because you're from here and still involved. But we've got you know, Andy Detling, who's involved in our board, um, uh, who's, who played here, and it's just good to have those guys um, involved. In but yeah, uh, all ages from again, first grade to sixth grade, we've got a spot for you. Come on out. Uh, we're sanctioned through USA Football. Uh, we're insured through USA football. Um, I'm man enough to admit that football has been under a lot of scrutiny. So we want to make sure that we present a safe option that's well regulated. Uh, so to be through USA football on the tackle side, all of our coaches are CDC certified for concussion protocol recognition and, uh, and training of how to do that. Um, I, can see, I can speak specifically from a situation we had last year. Uh, where we had a scrimmage up in Whitmore Lake, and a kid came up to me after, after one of the at halftime. I was like, "Yeah, coach, my my yeah, my my eyes kind of feel funny." And so I, I used what I learned, looked at him, and said, "Oh, my arm feels weak when I go to lift it." I was like, "All right, that's all I needed to hear. Uh, you're done for today." Uh, and our rule is that if once any sign you're done for that day, and you don't practice or play a game until you have a note from your doctor saying that you're ready to go. Uh, and we've had parents say no. You know, he's fine. Let him go. I was like, no, we're doing this the right way. Um, luckily, in that situation, uh, the kid was fine and was cleared to play the next day. We still had him on a couple of days just to be safe, just to see. Uh, but um, that goes on the tackle side. All the coaches on the flag side, uh, at least the head coach on that team uh, goes through that training as well. Uh, so we're not, I mean, there's the collisions maybe aren't as. Uh, actually, the speed on flag football is faster than the speed at youth football. And I think that's just because there's no rushing the quarterback and those kids are flying in tackle football at the youth level. The kids quarterbacks and the backs are getting rushed. And a lot of times, and you know, trying to teach a kid to pass block for the first time, there's a lot of Olay blocks out there. So the quarterbacks running for their life or you call a pass in the huddle is begging for a handoff, uh, which is not usually the case, <laughs> but so anyway. Yeah, all that stuff is regulated, certified. Uh, we're insured. Um, an independent agency that covers youth football. Um, and I'm kind of rambling here, but I think this is important to touch on because parents do care about this stuff. Uh, Equipment-wise, uh, all of our equipment is 
uh, we just finished recycling all of our helmets, so there's not a helmet in, uh, in the dungeon as we call it there at Creekside. That's more than uh, three years old right now, and every two years they have to get sent out to be reconditioned, so we're all brand new equipment. Um, we provide everything uh, except for the mouthpiece, and we even give you one, so if you want to use the mouthpiece, you can, otherwise you can go get your own. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's tremendous safety driven because our job at DYFL is to make kids fall in love with the game of football like we all have, uh, or fall in love with cheerleading or just being around the football environment. And if we can get our kids to have fun, see, and this is another issue we're facing with DYFL is in terms of we've played in what's called the Cascade Conference, a lot of schools out west here, Jackson schools, Grass Lake, Michigan Center, those types of places. And, uh, those athletic directors are kind of the point now where, well, we don't want Dexter in our conference. They're a way bigger school now. When we first started DYFL, that was the only conference that would take us because all the schools like right and those conferences had around forever and they didn't want a new school in their league. So we've been playing with these guys for a while. But as you guys have grown our program, like, hey, we don't want Dexter in our program. Okay. So we've been kind of just sniffing around. And what we found is some of the other programs in our area they have A teams and B teams. Okay, we're gonna take our best kids on this team and then we'll make a B team. And that goes totally against our philosophy because what you get at that point is a bunch of kids that don't like football because they're going out there and just getting and pushed around. And that's not our job. Uh, we have two competitive teams. Uh, we, win our, we win a lot of games. We don't win them all, but we play everybody. Everybody learns and, and plays a couple different positions and has fun. Um, we'll let the deciding factor of who plays what position all the time and when they get to you. Uh, my job is to make him love the game, play all over, except for my kid. Uh, he'll play where he belongs, but that's just because he's my kid, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's, uh, it, and, and that's the, the thing. And that, As high school coaches, I think that's what we want. We want you to instill uh, early on love of the game into these kids. You know, teach them the fundamental skills. You know, as a program, right, we would we like to see you know, doing some similar things. And that's why we've tried to do, and we've done them in the past, and I'm sure we'll probably do, do one again once, you know, some of these COVID restrictions are, are lifted on us. Right. But bringing, bringing the youth guys in, you know, having, you know, Coach Bill Ivan, our offensive line coach, come in and teach how he teaches the basic fundamentals of offensive line play. And it just be, that's, that's how a, a program builds on itself and, and it grows, so for sure. So if if somebody is a Dexter uh, parent um, and they're they're listening to this and they want to reach out to get their child involved, where can they uh, find the contact information or where where can they contact? Best place to go is is to our website www.dexteryouthfootball. Just as it sounds. dot com. Uh, there's email contacts, phone number contacts on there uh, to get a hold of us. Uh, while we are our own independent organization, we, we run through Dexter Community Education, which gets us access to uh, all the facilities at Dexter. So we're not playing, you know, in a parking lot somewhere. We use the Twin Turf Fields to play our flag games on. Our tackle home games are at Elrit Stadium, which is where the varsity plays. You know, we play some night games. The kids love it. So, yeah, uh, it, it's it's all through there. So either go through our website is the best place, www.dexteryouthfootball.com. Uh, you can talk to Dave Teddy through community education. He's our point of contact. Well, he can steer you in the right direction. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. You can find us there. And we'd also do some Twitter stuff. Well, but uh, if you're a parent, 
look us up um, and we'll definitely answer any questions. Uh, if I can say real quick, we didn't play this last fall due to all the COVID stuff going on. Um, but what we are trying to do, and uh, we, we talked about it, uh, we're trying to get a, we're excited to announce that we're going, we're working with Community Ed right now on developing a spring program. Not sure how that's going to look like, uh, but we are plan because you know, all those sports and Dexter are huge and we're a good neighbor. Uh, but I, ideally, we'll do something uh, maybe beginning of March and gets maybe a six week season flag or tackle or some combination cheerleading uh, before baseball really gets going just to get our kids back out there because uh, parents want it. Uh, we were cautious. We feel good about our decision. Uh, we, we know it was uh, a tough decision, um, but we love football and want to offer the families that want their kids, you know, something to do, a chance to still be involved. So uh, keep checking our website for that. We'll have more details so we can work out all those. Good. I think that's a, that's a great thing that, you know, even though, even though they had to, uh, you know, postpone the season, but being able to play something in the spring, like in, in New York where I'm from, you know, they're, they're playing varsity football in the spring right now. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the plan. So uh, the, the kind of the last thing that we'll, we'll touch on here, and if we have some other thing you'd like to bring up, you know, feel free. Uh, is one of the questions you you proposed to me was talking about strength training for your youth athletes. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm of the standpoint, and I, I've I've done the research, and I, I've you know read read the articles and read the the studies and and whatnot. Um, and the the stereotypical thing I think that you've probably heard um, from people is that oh you know don't don't have the kids lift weights. Um, you know, too young because it'll stunt their growth. Um, and I, to to me, that's a you know, no, that that's something that is is not no longer. Um, I think any any strength coach that has you know kind of looked at the things, and I one of the one things I reference is uh, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. They put out an opinion paper on it. So whenever some whenever somebody brings that up. I, I kind of cite that because that's where my certification is from. Awesome. Um, with us here and I, you know, and what other places do, you know, it, it's up to them, but here we start inviting uh, young athletes, student athletes into our weight room around fifth grade. So when they, when they get to Creekside uh, is when we start to kind of bring, bring them in and, and invite them in and, and get them training with us. And to be honest with you, they train the same way we would train a, a high school kid when they walk in, uh, but we modify resistance to where they're able to learn techniques, much like you do in, in youth football, uh, where we, we modify techniques and uh, you know, or resistance so that they can learn technique and you know, adjust the way the bar, lower the racks down, and they come in and they train. Um, you know, obviously they're they're doing they're doing a lot of the same things that the that the high school kid is doing, but the high school kid is doing it a lot heavier, or with different different uh, you know bars or bands or chains or all these other things that we we manipulate in our conjugate training system. But what I would put out there, and if, and if you have any questions for me, please ask it. We kind of it'll you know we can kind of from a parent perspective help me to kind of. Get, get the information that the parents need to hear from me on it. Um, what we do, our philosophy in training is 
we are, when those kids come in the weight room, it is general physical preparedness. We are preparing them physically to be able to go and execute sports skill. At any sport, and that, any sport. that's important. It's not just football, it's whatever sports you're in, cross country, tackle football, everything in between. Anything. Uh, the, the tools that we use in the weight room are to generally prepare them with sporting traits to go and take those traits and apply them to whatever skill that they need to do. As you said, it could be running uh, and cross country. It could be playing football. It could be a, a cheerleader who has to perform stunts, a dance team member that has to perform uh, you know, routines, lacrosse, baseball, you name it. Um, so within that, we utilize an approach that targets specific weak points in the individual. Um, a, a lot of people have the same weak points. Uh, you know, the things, usually a lot of the stuff on the backside of our body, right? The, the shoulders, the rear delts, the lats, the glutes and hip muscles, the hamstrings, Right? These things on the backside of our body, we train a ton of that, which helps bring a more balanced athlete. Okay? When we first got here, we saw so many shoulder injuries right, from kids that grow up playing a sport like baseball, especially baseball because baseball runs year-round, uh, and they're throwing and they're throwing and they're throwing and they're throwing, and they're never getting any stronger on the backside. So the shoulder joint, it gets all kinds of tore up. Right? So we spend a lot of time with that. So what having a kid come in and train could do for them is to kind of help, uh, you know, with, uh, with injuries. Uh, we, we train to prevent injuries as well. Um, that's part of preparing them to be on the field. If they physically can't go out and perform their sport, what good is it, right? So we, from an injury prevention standpoint, uh, having them come in and training like this could help them significantly decrease their chances of having an injury as they get older. Right? You know, I see, I see all the time, you know, like kids that, you know, have these issues and they're nagging issues when they get here in school and they train with us for a few months and all of a sudden it's not an issue anymore. You know, and coming in and kind of balancing out the, the strength level of an individual so that they can, you know, then go take that to their sport. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'm a big proponent of diversification and participation for youth uh, in sports where, you know, sometimes parents are pushing to specialize, thinking that's the best path, but just raw data as a consumer of, raw data that I am seems to point to well-rounded development. I mean, even if they're not the greatest baseball player or the greatest basketball player or the greatest wrestler or the greatest football player, just getting uh, kids involved, especially young, involved in as much as possible to help develop and also give certain muscle sets a uh, break. I mean, is that, is that where you are as well? On oh, that? 100%. Um, when it comes to being an athlete, be an athlete, all right, uh, play as many sports as you can. Now, what, what I see here sometimes in our community is we'll have, we'll have this going on. Johnny is on the football team. Johnny also is playing fall baseball. Oh, and he just, you know, is playing on a golf team. 
all in the same year. Yeah. Um, my, my recommendation is when we say play as many sports as you can, when you're in, especially in at the, when they get to high school, um, playing a fall sport, a winter sport, a spring sport. Um, that that's, I encourage that. And that's part of the reason why we started a unified strength and conditioning program was so that kids could play all those sports and continue to train because we train in season. As we record this, uh, on a Wednesday, there was, there was guys in a weight room this morning, breaking records in a a squat variation. And we're going to go play a playoff game in two days. Right. And what does that change? When I was in high school, it was, all right, game day, don't do anything. Go upstairs and meditate in the weight room and listen to Bo Schembechler talk. That's not the case anymore. Now it's go max out and get ready to go. Yeah, and I mean, and it's, and it's not that they're, you know, they're, they're breaking records in a, in a and we're smart, right, with what we, what we pick. Right? We're, not, we're not picking something that has a, a high injury risk, but with, with the, the basis of our conjugate program, and I've talked about it many times on other shows, so I won't. I won't talk a ton about it, but we have days where we get stronger and we have days when we get faster. We have our maximal effort days and we have our dynamic effort days. So the kids that had, you know, max effort work today, they were doing movements that one have a very, very low injury risk. Cause again, we don't want anybody to ever get hurt in the weight room, especially when we got to go play a football game in two days. Um, yep. But they're able to get that max stimulus that strain where they have to push against the bar with our whole idea and and i think some people and some parents uh might i don't want to say be afraid of that word max um but not fully understand what what we mean by it when we do max effort work and and young kids would do this too after they've shown proficiency in technique with with lighter loads um and you know for some of them max effort work might be a, an empty bar but the fact that we could put the bar on their back and, and it makes it a max effort load for them that's how we adjust it but when we do max work it's not like uh kind of grinding ugly you know reps like it's all right we are holding position we're holding form and it's heavy and we have to strain on it and it's moving slow but we're in good positions not putting ourselves at bad position. I think that's what sometimes people get afraid of. Like they, they, they think that we got guys up there and, you know, I, I use a phrase, you know, they're, they're deadlifting or squatting and they look like a dog crapping razor blades. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I actually said that to a kid this morning. Uh, and that was kind of the signal to, yo, buddy, um, you're doing this. You're putting a little too much weight on there. Let's back that down and let's fix it, you know, because it makes them laugh. Not the back arch, feet off the ground, screaming with the bench bar, you know, on your chin, kind of. Yeah, that, that's not where we are. No, no, that's not where we are uh, because we're doing our uh, the the idea, the goal is to try and prevent injuries from happening, not put them in a situation where they're they're going to get hurt, you know. And yeah. and very often with our program, and again, kind of broadcasting out to the to our people of of Dexter, um, you know. We have we had injuries in the weight room of training? Yes, we have. Um, but I can confidently say that any kid that follows the directions that we give them in training, the injury rate is exactly zero. Anytime someone strays from that, 
right, is when there is a probability of injury. And we've had it. We've had it where, you know, kids are in there and because my attention goes to another area of the, of the gym, then all of a sudden, while they see me looking the other way, they try to do something stupid. They're kids. Yeah. It's going to happen. But I, I make it a point, even with our youngest kids, to explain the whys. Why do we not want to do that? Why, why do we train this way? What does it do for us? And I think that's the biggest message I can, I can send out is the whys. Because I think when parents, and you know, such as yourself, obviously your coach as well, but when parents hear the whys and the logic that goes into how we structure training, they'll want their kid to be involved in it because it's going to help elevate. So let me ask you this. I know in a post-COVID environment, a lot of parents have had questions as to how this is implemented. And myself, personally, as a new Creekside parent, uh, once we're out of, of all this, how does that look for parents to, to be involved in their fifth grader or sixth grader uh, being involved in, in what you do? Is this an after school? We go up there. Are they bust up there? How do they get there? Do we pick them up? I mean, you don't have to get into the details. Obviously, this isn't the place for that. Yeah. But I know that's going to be a lot of the questions that you're going to get. Yeah, and, and I'm glad to, glad to answer it because even if somebody is listening to this from outside of our community, it might stimulate an idea for their community. Yeah. Um, and, and just anybody outside of our community, the way our, our Dexter Schools is structured, uh, we have a bus loop system where kids from different buildings might actually ride the same bus. Um, so what we do, our, our five, six building, Creekside, is within a, a walking distance. It's actually right next to our football field. It's within a walking distance for a high schooler, not a fifth or sixth grader. Um, so what we do in the past and what we've done in the past is there's a, a bus that comes to the high school. So the kids from Creekside would get on the bus and then get off at the high school and come walk in and come to me. They know, uh, you know, they, they kind of learn where the weight room is and where they have to go. And then they check in with me when they get there and, and we get them started. Um, so that's something that we're, we're looking for. Uh, we're still in the stages of trying to progress all of our high school athletes back. Yeah. Um, that, that's still something that the district has not given me clearance to do. Um, sure. You know, for strength coaches out there listening to this, right, we have a, a cap of 24 individuals in the weight room at a time. They're wearing masks the whole time they're in there. Uh, they bring their own water. The water fountains are not in use. They are working. And we have our racks spaced out. Uh, we have a, a dozen racks. Uh, six of them are inside the weight room. The other six are actually outside the weight room on our indoor track that runs right outside. Um, we keep the kids spaced out. Uh, and they disinfect with uh, wipes that we provide them. They disinfect everything they touch at the end of the training session. Um, and they will hand sanitize as well prior and after so um that's, that's some of the things that we're doing to keep it safe um i'm working on trying to get more individuals back in uh, but obviously i got to follow what the what the school district okays but once once i have clearance like i'll run as many sessions of 24 as i have to to get every kid that wants to train 
in through that weight room once the school will allow me? Well, I can tell you uh, that's probably the number top. Maybe it's not the number one, the second or third question I get asked all the time is when can we get our boys up with Coach Whitaker? So even though they may not know you, you're a rock star. Uh, and uh, when we get to the point, you know, we know uh, you got uh, all the protocols you have, but when ready for our DYFL fifth, sixth graders, uh, you're, you're going to get a bunch of them. And we're super excited about doing it because the kids see the high school kids doing it. And, and a lot of it spread through, uh, you know, like a Ron Byer who's got a kid that's in my son's age and also has a big brother in the high school and sees the transition why that big brother's age. They're telling all their buddies, like, hey, we should be doing this. We'll be big and strong like those guys. And they see, you know, just the, the transition. So they're ready. And you know, the hard part is the want to. And if they've got the want to, uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah the buy-in is, is the toughest. And, and I still, you know, work, you know, and try to find different ways to, to get more buy-in. It yep. started to just get kids to walk through the door. And now yep. we can't just be happy with getting them to walk through the door. Now we have to find a way to motivate them to train at the level that we need to. And we have a lot of them that are self-motivated kids. And um, one of the things I try to do is build a culture in the weight room where it's yeah. not just coming from me. It is how we train. When yep. there, there were some, some kids that, you know, sadly, they've, they've graduated now. Um, but there were some kids that were always training in the weight room and they knew as, as juniors and seniors that they had complete, uh, you know, authority and okay from me when they saw something wrong to go yeah. fix it, not, awesome. not come in and ask me, they know what it should be and not just let a kid do something wrong, go and coach that kid up. That's leadership. That's life skill. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to build. Like, yeah. you know, so that, and that helps for a young kid that comes in when all of a sudden the, the, the big, big dude from the other side of the room, that was cause they would be in there training at the same time. That big guy over there squatting four or five plates, all of a sudden comes, walks on, walks over and gives you a tip on your squat technique. Huh. We talk again, oh. we talk again about, you know, you know, tradition and, you know, getting people to, you know, want to, want to be like somebody else. Well, Hey man, you, that, that guy just paid attention to me right, and yep. helped me. That, that's awesome. I'll come back. And then it just keeps cycling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a senior in high school to an eight year old is the same as a NFL player to an eight year old. I mean, it's your eyes are as big as saucers and oh my God, that kid's talking to me. Yep. Awesome. Absolutely. So that, that kind of, is where, where we're at with training. And, and as soon as I have something, some new information, I'll, I'll reach out to you to be my, you know, to be our vocal, uh, you know, passing that along to, to everybody, because again, I, I do want them to get them back and, and even, even getting them back in their own group probably wouldn't be a bad thing initially because they all yeah. are at the same level. And I can even set it up where I have some of those, older kids just come in and they're not even training. They're just there helping coach and they're being mentors. So that's, that's, that's some things that we're, you know, working on here, brainstorming, like how can we get where the, again, the, the community, the weight room community helps to run itself, you know, yeah. where, where the programming's there and the coaching is there, 
but everybody elevates each other. Yep. You know, a, a team, a team encompassed of all our teams. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, that's, that's the foundation of everything, man. It really is. I'm excited to see where it I'm excited to see where it's got so far. I mean, talk about baby steps. I mean, what was it six, seven years ago? We just wanted to win a game and now it's our standard. Yep. Now it's not just getting them in the weight room. It's, Yep, for sure so uh i think i kind of i don't did i miss anything that, that any of the the parents you you think that the parents would you know of youth athletes would like to hear no i think they just want to know when is the right time um uh because there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there um they know you know they know you they know your name they know what you've done uh, they know your certifications um knowing that the structure is there they're just thinking they now hear, okay, when can we do it? And myself and, you know, I've got a lot of friends involved in Little League and we can just get the word out to our community athletic programs and, and the, the tremendous youth lacrosse program here. And it's, it's everywhere. Dexter's got great youth programs and if you can get those kids to you, it's only going to help all the athletes and the students in our town. And um, it's not just football for me, it's everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I love football, I love baseball, but, I want our kids to grow up healthy, strong, and, and have great life experiences. This is one big part of it. Absolutely. All right, Chuck. So we're we're kind of getting getting towards towards the end of the show here. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up and share with our listening audience? I don't think so. We touched on you know the the probable spring programs. We're we're getting excited about offering uh, with that. Uh, then we'll get rolling back into uh, DYFL in a traditional fall uh, setting. Um, if, if you're interested in being involved, I know we normally have public board meetings a couple times a year where we meet at the library or something like that for people that want to get involved. Uh, obviously, due to the nature of the world at the moment, we haven't had those. Um, so if you listen to this, you maybe want to get involved on the Dexter Youth Football uh, Board and help with, you know, just volunteering, coaching, uh, any board position, go to our website, check us out, drop us a line. Uh, it will be, we'll have, we get back to having our open meetings, but we can't right now. So if you want to help, uh, like coach, you said, and I've said a hundred times, takes the village. Um, there's no such thing as too many volunteers. Um, it's a good time. We have fun and, uh, we want as many people involved that want to be involved. So, uh, that's all really I have. I, I've been flattered to be here. Uh, again, great opportunity to talk about what we've talked about and be a part of our community. So thank you very much, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you being on, on the show. Uh, one more time before I let you go, can you share uh, the social media pages where people can um, keep up sure. with? Yeah, it's uh, com is our website. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, just search Dexter Youth Football on there that has some links, stuff on there that was directed to our website, as well as search Dexter uh, Youth Football uh, on Twitter. Uh, all steers you again back to there and again we are three community ed um, we all are certified through independent organizations you play football etc uh, so we're top notch uh, checking all the boxes um, so yeah all right talk to somebody we'll get where you need to be or go see coach Whitaker and he can point you in my direction because if there's a football game me and my boys are going to be milling around somewhere yeah absolutely all right Chuck well thanks again for being on the show we'll talk soon all right thanks coach Thanks again to Chuck for stopping in and giving us his time. It was a great conversation with him and hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to pause for a 
brief word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with our favorite segment of your Iron Dread podcast, and that is your Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week, presented as always by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. The Iron Dread Podcast is brought to you in part by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction, available for all your DJ and line dance needs. Please visit crankitupdjdancing.com for booking information. This is Travis Atchison, teacher, firefighter, and you're listening to the Iron Red Podcast. song of the week chosen by our special guest Mr. Chuck Hopkins comes from one of my favorite bands and that is a cover song from this band Five Finger Death Punch and their cover of Bad Company's Bad Company love this version of the song love the original hopefully you enjoy it don't forget you can find this song and every song on our Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist on Spotify just go on Spotify and for, search for Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist or go right down in the show notes and you'll find a link there too. So without further ado, Bad Company, Five Finger Death Punch. A company always on the Destiny, oh, it's the rising sun. I was born a shotgun in my hands, behind the gun, I'll make my final stand. That's why they call me There you have it, folks. This week's Weight Room Song of the Week, chosen by our special guest, Mr. Chuck Hopkins, and Five Finger Death Punch's version of Bad Company. Love that song. Love that band. Hope you enjoyed listening to it here as your Weight Room Song of the Week segment. Remember, you can find 
the Weight Room Song of the Week songs on our Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist on Spotify. Just go on Spotify and search for Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week, or you can find a link in the show notes. Well, folks, that kind of brings episode 48 in for a conclusion. We're making our way steadily towards that milestone 50th episode coming up in two weeks. Crazy to think that the podcast has come this far uh, in this many episodes. Really enjoying making it. Hopefully you are enjoying listening to it. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please share it with your friends on social media. Use the social media handle at Iron Dread Pod. And tag us when you're talking about the show or sharing the show in any capacity. Hopefully give you a shout out here on your favorite podcast, the Iron Dread Podcast. But until then, folks, remember, strength is never a weakness. Tough people always win. Around here, we're becoming dread stronger. I'm Chris Whitaker, signing off.